This is sort of a transition chapter here, going to take us into the next section. section. You know, for two or three chapters, we've been looking at the, the, the regulations that the Lord has put, uh, has put before Israel. So there's the, um, there's the Decalogue, there are the Ten Commandments, and then there are the ordinances, the, the, the regulations that he gives them. Okay, now let's think about this. God has said to Israel, I'm going to establish you as my covenant people, but we're going to have to have a covenant in order for you to be my covenant people. We'll have to have an understanding. I'm going to take care of you. You're never going to want for anything. You don't have to worry about your enemies. You don't have to worry about your food. You don't have to worry about anything. You trust me. And here are the regulations. You follow the covenant. If you break the covenant, the deal's off. That's about what it amounts to. So uh, for the last, well, since the Ten Commandments and then the regulations, the, all the ordinances that have been given, you know, what you do if you, if you kill a guy's mule or something. Um, now Israel... It has been brought to Israel. Now Israel has to affirm the covenant. They have to ratify this thing. Uh, God, is, God is giving them his covenant. This is what is expected of you. Um, I'll do everything. I'll take care of you. So here we are then in Exodus 24, and we're just going to read through it uh, and maybe make a couple of points as we go. And to Moses, he said, come up to Yahweh, you and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and, the, and 70 of the elders of Israel, prostrate yourselves from afar. Okay, so these guys are to accompany Moses, that being Aaron and his two sons, and 70 of the elders at 73. Moses alone shall approach Yahweh, but they shall not approach and the people shall not ascend with him. So here's the deal. Moses is the divinely appointed mediator of this covenant. God's going to deal with Moses. Moses is going to take it back to the people. Obviously, because there's two and a half million of them, he takes it to their representatives, which includes these elders uh, from the tribes. So Moses will approach Yahweh. The elders, Aaron, Nadab, and Mabihu, they can go so far and no farther. The people can't come at all. So Moses came and told the people all the words of Yahweh, all the ordinances, and all the people answered in unison and said, all the words that Yahweh has spoken, we will do. It's a pretty good deal. <clears throat> Yahweh has demonstrated his power. He's shown himself superior to the gods of Egypt. He has divinely provided for their uh, release from Egyptian slavery. It was all in accord with his word as he had said it. Um, he has given them water when there was no water. He's given them food where there was no food. Uh, he's taken care of them. He opened the sea, the Red Sea, and then he closed it on the enemies who were chasing them. So he's demonstrated his part of the bargain. He, he can do anything. He'll take care of it. That's what he said. 
So here's what they say, you know, all the words that Yahweh has spoken, we will do. Now you and I know already the rest of the Old Testament, and they're not real good at this. They may have been sincere, I don't know, I guess they were. Uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't take them but, what, 47 days to start going crazy uh, at the bottom of the mountain without Moses there with them. Uh, poor old Aaron, he was left in charge. Uh, he's one of those guys. Uh, I, I, had, I, I knew a guy, he said, uh, he went to West Point. He said, well, two things they take, tell us. If you're in command, take command. If you're in charge, take charge. Aaron would be left in command, but he wouldn't take command, obviously. He, he, Why do you think that he just stood by and let them do it? He was, I think he was afraid of them. I think he was... Uh, well, he, he, he didn't have their respect, for one thing, like Moses did. Um, and, um, of course, we're not there yet, but uh, I think we'll, we'll answer those questions when we get over there to that chapter. Uh, but he was he was pretty pathetic stand-in for, for Moses. Uh, he couldn't have known that he was going to be pathetic until he was left in charge. <laughs> and then he proved, uh, he proved that he wasn't up to the task. Well, anyway, all the words that Yahweh has spoken, we will do. Now look at this in verse 4. And Moses wrote down all the words of Yahweh. So there was a written record there was a written document this is this would be okay now this is the this is the beginning of the israelite nation this is like um well let's say that uh the red sea on top of pharaoh's army was the declaration of independence and now this is the constitution okay um this is this is what ratifies them, this is what makes them a nation and makes them the peculiar people of Yahweh. Yahweh will have no other peculiar nation. Now their job, as it develops, and we have to, this, this come, you know, we have, you know, we have Leviticus and Deuteronomy to add to this, as well as numbers, but Le, namely Leviticus and Deuteronomy. And there's an expansion of, of all of this that we're looking at here and they're expected as God's people to go into the go to the other nations and just just by being God's people and people seeing how they've been prospered and protected that's to be a demonstration to the rest of the world there's one true and living God they failed there it, in in the hundreds of years that will follow the reverse became true they became followers of false gods uh, but for right now, Moses writes the words of Yahweh. And he arose early in the morning and built an altar at the foot of the mountain and 12 monuments for the 12 tribes of Israel. There, you know, there has to be something that is tangible, uh, that the people can see and they can understand that, you know, this is, this is for real. Uh, this is This is happening. And he sent the youths of the sons of Israel. And they offered up burnt offerings and they slaughtered peace offerings to Yahweh. That is bulls. Okay. 
There was no priesthood yet, right? There's no tabernacle. As a matter of fact, we don't have delineated here, at least not up to this point. Maybe there's an understanding that comes out in one of the other five books of Moses. But there's no delineation here uh, and really is not delineated until the tabernacle comes along and there are those offerings, you know, the, uh, the guilt offering and, and the sin offering, the peace offering, the burnt offering and so forth, guilt offering, trespass offering. Um, but here it's, it's, it's assumed that, that uh, they understand what the burnt offering is and what a peace offering is. You have to think now of the millions, of the hundreds of thousands of people who are involved in this thing. This, this is not something here uh, that can be just shared by the elders. This is not something that will just be shared to the representatives. This particular action will have to be something that is shared with all the people. All the people are going to have to come in on this. Now, when you see that it's a peace offering, what that tells us is this is a communion offering. In other words, the people, it's a fellowship offering. They are to come in and they are to partake in eating some of the offering. Uh, the, the, the blood, they can't, of course, they, can't, they can never eat or drink the blood. That is offered to Yahweh. So if you look at verse 6, I don't want to get ahead of myself here. Moses took half the blood, put it into basins, and half the blood he cast onto the altar. Now this would have been an extensive project to kill animals uh, and to do what was required to make this a peace offering. A burnt offering is completely consumed. You don't eat a burnt offering. A burnt offering is a worshiper takes an animal, opens that thing up completely. Nothing of its entrails is hidden. You just tear it open and expose all the innards of the, of the animal. and You burn it, and, and that's an offering that says, this is me in service to you. I'm not hiding anything. I'm not holding anything back. That's a burnt offering. Fellowship offering, a peace offering means uh, that I, I intend for our relationship to be a peaceful relationship, a relationship of fellowship, not to be an enmity with one another. So this is the kind of thing, and how many days, I don't know, how many days would that have taken for the people to come and for all the uh, slaughtering to be done and then the, uh, the fellowship meal, uh, the, the peace offerings to have been shared? Uh, that was an extensive thing, but it also brought the people into personal relationship with what was going on. So the blood is offered uh, to Yahweh, and uh, as far as the peace offering or the fellowship offering goes, the people participate uh, in the eating of that. Now, Moses took the book of the covenant and read it within the hearing of the people. So he's written everything down. Now, you and I have been going through these chapters. We've been seeing these ordinances that followed the Ten Commandments, all these things. And this is how they're to live. This is their constitution. This gives to them uh, their, how, how they are to be an orderly nation. 
And at the bottom of it, they're always to trust Yahweh, but they also have magistrates and they have judges and so forth that will rule on cases that are brought before them. So here it is again. He read the book of the covenant within the hearing of all the people, and they said, all that Yahweh spoke, we will do and we will hear. So now they've done this, a sec- they've said this a second time. In this, at this point in time. And Moses took the blood and sprinkled it on the people, and he said, Behold the blood of the covenant, which Yahweh has formed with you concerning these words. Okay, now, to form a covenant in, in the culture and society that we're looking at in the Old Testament, would be a very, a very somber and a very, um, come in, come in. How y'all? Good. You're not late. We're, we're, you're right on time. To form this covenant in that, back in that culture, would of course have been a very serious and somber thing. This, this, this was this was extraordinarily serious. This can't be taken lightly at all. Takes the book of the covenant. We're in Exodus twenty-four, and we've come to verse seven. Uh, reads it in the hearing of the people. They agree with it. Then the blood is sprinkled. Uh, Behold the blood of the covenant which Yahweh has formed with you concerning these words. Yeah. Yeah. Just. Yeah, yeah. They generally, what was it, hyssop or um, the, the, like a giant broccoli? <laughs> Dipping the blood. And, uh, that's what they, and if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, I think this is the only place where people are sprinkled with blood. Now, if I'm, I, I, I can be corrected, but I think I'm right. Of course, except the New Testament, we're covered in the blood of Jesus. But uh, uh, this was something that was very somber. It separates the people. The life of the flesh is in the blood. They've just made a sacrifice. Uh, life, life is is what provides the um, bond here. So that they make a burnt offering and the fellowship or peace offering, uh, and it's Moses again makes it understood that this is the blood of the covenant. This is the book of the covenant. This is the ratification of the covenant. God has done his part. God has given to them their covenant, their constitution, if you will. Now what are the people going to do? Twice already in this chapter they have said, whatever he says, we'll do it. Um, Now, let's look at verse uh, 9. And Moses and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel ascended. Now there's an interesting Hebrew word over here. You know that that uh, there, there was an there was uh, 
The Old Testament forbade, you couldn't look on God. You couldn't look on God and live. But in his sanctifying them for this particular occasion, they are able to perceive somehow his presence. It's an interesting uh, verse here. They perceived the God of Israel. And beneath his feet was like the forming of a sapphire brick and like the appearance of the heavens for clarity. So, okay, that, that takes us to Ezekiel. When Ezekiel saw the, the, the Merchabah, the chariot throne of the Son of God coming from the north, and it appeared to be a great electric storm, and then it was borne up by the four cherubim, those mighty angelic creatures with their wings and the, a face on each side of their head. Um, and the throne there is identified in appearance as a sapphire, uh, uh, like, like a sky, like the sky color. The Revelation says that his throne is surrounded by rain. Now, we think of a rainbow as a, an arch, but it speaks of being all the way around his throne, an emerald, like an emerald. A, an emerald rainbow. That's interesting. A crystal sea. There was an expanse, a dome expanse of some kind that was like a uh, sparkling crystal over, uh, this is from Ezekiel, over the throne. So someday you may have a trivia question when you're on Jeopardy or something. What, what, what apparently is the throne like? Well, sapphire, like sky, sapphire. Um, this is not the first place in the scriptures where, where the, 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 the presence of Yahweh apparently on the throne looked like this. And upon the nobles of the sons of Israel, he did not lay his hand, and so they perceived Elohim and they ate and drank so another part another part this is this is still separate in my view this is still separate from the fellowship offering that we mentioned earlier in the official ratification of a covenant after the details were attended to there would have been a meal between the participants so somehow there's a, a meal here that, uh, that the nobles of the sons of Israel uh, can participate in. Uh, and uh, that pretty much completes the whole thing. Only God himself is going to write for the people the Ten Commandments on a stone with his with his writing. Boy, when you like to dig that thing up somewhere. Um, well, I'll talk. Let's go on. I'll talk about that as we go through here. Yahweh said to Moses, 
Come up to me to the mountain and remain there, and I will give you the stone tablets, the law, and the commandments. Now look at this. Which I have written to instruct them, to instruct the people. So it would be the law and the commandments. The Lord himself wrote it down. Only Moses is to go up further inside that cloud and into the glory, the glory of the presence up there and go right to Yahweh and receive the stone tablets. Receive the very inscription from God himself. So Moses and Joshua, his servant, arose and Moses ascended to the Mount of Elohim, to the Mount of, of God. Now, Joshua is, is an important uh, part of, uh, of, of Moses' um, ministry, I guess you might say. Uh, we know, as a matter of fact, that Joshua takes his place when Moses dies. Uh, and, and obviously he's, he's well prepared for that. But look at verse 14. To the elders he said, wait for us, whoops, uh, wait for us here until we return to you. And here Aaron and Hur are with you. Hur is, is, is Aaron's Joshua, he's, he's Aaron's immediate servant, his, his chief executive assistant. So you weigh with them, and whoever has a case, let him go to them. So, so the instructions are left, okay, we know if you're still, you're, these people can't come to the mountain. They can't touch it under penalty of death. Elders can go only so far along with the sons of Aaron, Nadab and Abihu. Joshua apparently can go further with, uh, with Moses. Moses goes right into the presence of Yahweh to receive the inscription. Now Moses wrote this down for the people. Now Yahweh's going to write it down. Uh, not going to have any misunderstandings here. So uh, the people are obviously going to have claims against one another while Moses is gone. So when they have a case, they can still bring it to the judges, to the magistrates as they have been appointed. And according to the ordinances that Yahweh has already given in the book of the covenant, they are to be settled according to the book of the covenant under the auspices of the, uh, of the magistrates, the, the judges that they have. So it's a good instruction. Life goes on. Moses disappears into the, the, the thick cloud up into the presence of Yahweh who has just said, I'm going to write this stuff down myself and I'm going to give it to you so that you can instruct the people. Moses went up to the mountain and the cloud covered the mountain. And the glory of Yahweh rested on Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it for six days, and he called to Moses on the seventh day from within the cloud. So 
Moses is hanging out until Yahweh tells him what to do. So this is seven days later. Now that's seven days, okay? And the appearance of the glory of Yahweh was like a consuming fire atop the mountain before the eyes of the sons of Israel. So everybody can see it. It was, I mean, I mean, the flashing glory and the darkness of a thick cloud, it was almost like judgment day, which is what the law does to you anyway. It judges you, right? It, it doesn't deliver you. It judges you. Seven days now have passed. And then in verse 18, Moses came within the cloud, went up to the mountain, and Moses was upon the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. Now Aaron is left in charge. 40 days. That's 47 days, really, when you count the seven days where Moses had to go so far and just hang around until Yahweh said, come here. 47 days. Okay, so what's happening in all that time? Well, we're going to read, the God willing, we'll, we'll take on the rest of the book of Exodus. And you have, these, you have these intricate details, for example, of the tabernacle. And what you and I are going to see when we get to the time of the tabernacle is that the, the outfittings of the tabernacle, the details of the tabernacle, in various ways, identify and illustrate the person and the ministry of the Christ. That will be cut. Now, so this is Moses. Moses, while Yahweh writes this stuff, Moses is receiving this instruction, you see. And they're obviously, if you think of the 40 days, how long did Christ, after his resurrection, and before his ascension, how long did he teach to open the scriptures, open the minds of the apostles to the scriptures? Forty days, right? So here Moses is, is man, this is the best seminary that a person could go to. Um, and what he had to know would be the whys and wherefores of, of everything that he was be, going to be told to describe, to write down, to go back, and, for example, to have the tabernacle built. People surely, and then the, the Levitical priesthood, that one of their jobs, well, their main job, not just to receive and, and offer the sacrifice, but, but, but their job was to teach the people why you're doing this. You know, why are you doing this? Why is this altar made of brass? And some of the stuff as we get, get toward the Holy of Holies becomes silver. And then when we get to the holy place, it's gold. Why? You know, there has to be, well, there's, a, there's an explanation for all that. So obviously Moses will be taught all of these things. And he likewise can teach the people uh, these same things. We'll sort of develop that as we go along uh, through, the, through the rest of, uh, of the book of Exodus, but it's, it's really fascinating. Now, Moses, okay, you know, 
It's not like you're in a classroom and you're going to kind of bob off to sleep and the Lord snap his fingers and say, wake up. You know, I, don't think, I don't think he was bored at all in the presence of Yahweh. However, while totally consumed in the presence of Yahweh for these 40 days and 40 nights, being given the instruction and having this fellowship with Yahweh, some bad things began to happen down down beyond the base of, uh, of the mountain. Now, what had they just said twice? Everything. And Moses had written the book of the covenant. They had a written copy of it. It wasn't like, oh, we forgot that, man. You don't have to commit it to memory. Just read it. Moses left them a written copy of the book of the covenant. They've gone through the ritual of ratification the blood has been sprinkled. The fellowship meal has been taken. Twice they said in this chapter, we will do everything that Yahweh has said and we will also do everything to hear everything that he says. And it doesn't even go 40 days. And they start cutting up. They start breaking the very thing that they swore they would never, I mean, they were separated with, with the ratification of blood and, and, uh, and the solemn ceremony that God had given them uh, and blessed their hearts. That's just the beginning of their problems throughout the rest of the Old Testament. So anyway, this, this as I said to the beginning, this is a transition chapter. It's going to take us into the next phase, and it just it, to me it just gets more and more fascinating when you think of how, and it's all built on grace. I mean, you can't God knew. I I can just see the Father punching the Son, giggling when they said we're going to do everything. I mean, it was more serious than that, obviously, but it's just like you know. <laughs> We're going, to hear that. We're going to hear them say that all the way to the crucifixion. We can save ourselves. We can do what's needed to be done. We don't need any help. We're self-righteous. We can do it all. So this, this, this begins. And the whole Old Testament is a lesson for us. I know one preacher used to say, and I like it. I liked what he said. He said the whole thing in the Old Testament, especially the outfittings of the tabernacle, and all that, it's like a coloring book for a preschool kid. This, this is like preschool. You know, when, uh, I don't know how to do it now, when I was a kid and you were learning, say, the letter B, ball, what did they hand out? They'd give you a thing to color and they had a ball on it or a balloon or something. started with a B, right? So this is, this is all coloring books is what this is. These are illustrations uh, for these people. But this is just, uh, this is just preschool. But to, to follow... To follow the, the nature of the Israelites and the beautiful covenant love of God toward these people who just never could get it right uh, all the way through the Old Testament is a great lesson in the patience and love and mercy of God. Okay, well, um, I'm not going to go any farther than that. I don't know what time it is, but uh, I hope you got your money's worth tonight. <laughs> The the forty yeah the number forty is always uh, 
an action from God to, to complete um, an action, like 40 days and nights of flood, um, the, the Christ was in the wilderness 40 days and 40 nights. It, it's always used as an, as an actionable number so that what, what God is doing will be, com, you know, be completed. Uh, and it's, of course, I'm sure it's the actual number, but it also becomes, it also becomes something that when we see something is happening 40 days or whatever, we can compare it with the rest of Scripture. We can know this is, an, this is going to be an action from God that he will complete uh, between him and, and, uh, and his people. Okay, let's pray. We'll be done for tonight. Father God, we love you how we love your word. We pray, O oh God, that you'll direct us and guide us and help us to understand your word and what the law means to us today and what your grace means and says to our hearts. Thank you for the scriptures and for the opportunity to study them together. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.